Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Do, 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 do. I know there's a song that sounds like that. What up, bro? What up, brother? Woo, Good man. It is, it is, what is today? It's the 20. Yo, it's the 27th of September already. Like, yo, I, I could have swore January was like yesterday. It's the 28th on, on my end. <laughs> yeah, not real life though, but over here, oh my goodness, man. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Wednesday episode of the True Christian Ministry Podcast. <gasps> Whoo, that's a long one. How you doing yeah. today? Good to everybody be back. doing good? Good to be back. Good to be back. All right, so good guys, to see everybody. Oh, let me not step on your toes, bro. No, I see. I see someone said, I can't see JD. So uh, you might have some bad service. Can y'all hear JD though? I can hear you, so I would think they can hear you. JD, your screen is black. Oh, oh wow. I see you. Just go out and come in, I guess. Okay. Bye. Y'all can, can see and hear me, right? Oh, they hear you. Yeah, they can hear you. He's gonna yeah. go, he's gonna leave and come right back. But while he does that, guys, go ahead and make sure you hit that share button, hit that like button, hit subscribe, do all that stuff. You know that. The, the YouTube language. I don't really have it down packed like everybody else, but do that. Uh, but guys, tonight's episode, I know that if you didn't see anything on TikTok today, you're not aware of the change of plans. Uh, on Monday, we started reading Second Peter, and we said that we're going to finish it uh, when we get back on Wednesday. However, over the last couple of days, uh, I have felt that it is necessary that we actually, we'll come back to that later. We need to talk about a few things, and that's why the title of today's episode is Back to the Basics, because JD and myself, as we go down this journey with you, we have to make sure that the foundation is proper, that the basics, if you don't have the basics, right? We can't just assume everybody here knows how to do basic arithmetic, right? Yeah, addition and subtraction. Everybody should know it, but we shouldn't assume it. Um, and if we're going to jump in to try and teach now, uh, you know, uh, a higher level, well, we have to make sure that you guys got the basics. So same, same thing. JD, they can see you now if you want to say hi. What's up? What's up, Sherry? Thanks again for your help with the Bible. Um, good to see everybody. And I know exactly what Mike was saying because he spoke to me beforehand. And, and this is a big thing. Um, and I've always used this when we touch on the subject, we go to we go to Hebrews 6 because Hebrews 6 is often a chapter that is used to tell people, well, look, yeah, this means you can fall away. And and this again is is not understanding biblical hermeneutics, not understanding biblical exegesis, and understanding what the author of Hebrews is saying. The author of Hebrews is not saying in Hebrews chapter 6 that you can lose your salvation. He is literally, he starts it off saying, for it is impossible. Impossible. So what does that mean if something's impossible? So the same as in, in, in Romans 8, where Paul says there is nothing we can do to separate us Nothing the believer can do to separate himself from the love of God. The same principle is used here. And again, we look at the participles that are used in the Greek and we pull that out and we say, okay, what is the full meaning of the texture? And the author is using a hypothetical. He's saying, if you could, if you could fall away, you would have to crucify Jesus Christ every single day again and again, and again, and again, in order to pay for your sin. <clears throat> and ultimately, this is what we see. 
all over TikTok. We see a lot of people preaching that you've got to now maintain something. You've got to now do something. And, and the analogy that I love to use if for anybody that, that, that has got a son or a daughter, for parents out there, is if I give my son a set of rules, he can literally go and break every single one of those sets of rules today. Tomorrow morning when we wake up, I'm going to love him exactly the same. I'm not going to love him any less. I'm not going to remind him of what he did yesterday because yesterday was yesterday and yesterday was dealt with yesterday. You are going to fall short of the glory of God. Some days more than others. Some days you will appease the flesh more than the spirit. Again, this is why we are going to be discussing sanctification, justification, and how this works together with your salvation. So and praise Jesus. That yeah, and adoption. adoption. There we go. That's important Amen. to understand. And I, I'm glad that Amen. JD kind of, I feel like JD has been wanting to talk about this and maybe he just hasn't decided how we, we were to present it. So I had to give him that push because you can tell JD just poured out to you guys on that. And the truth is, as I'm, the reason that this came up is because we're having these discussions with people and we, we, we're noticing that people don't even understand the basics of these things. And that's how you get to a lot of the places we get to. And I'll give you some examples. Uh, before I do, though, I forgot to mention it. Everybody on TikTok watching, uh, you can come over to YouTube or you can keep watching there. I think uh, TikTok's actually like throttling me. I have nine people viewing over there. That's weird, but whatever. Um, but yeah, so for example, JD. When people talk about what if, what if a Holy Spirit undwelt believer turns from Jesus and commits murder? Are you saying they can't lose their salvation? I used to entertain this, and then today something it felt like the Holy Spirit smacked me. I swear to you, JD, I'm looking at the question and I'm like, what happened to sanctification? Do people forget about this process? Do you think you're just saved and now you're just living this life? Still, you like salvation is just like a is like a is like a word oath. Like God is like, hey, you're good. But like, it's not really a binding contract. It's not locked in. It's not secured. And you're on your own to figure the rest of it out. And I'm like, that's not what the Bible teaches. Maybe the problem is people don't understand what sanctification is. Maybe they don't understand it. And that's why when they deal with their own sin, they think I could lose salvation rather than this is painful because the Lord is healing me right now. And we need to talk about these things, what adoption means, what it truly means to be a child of God and just get these basics out there. So with that being said, since we're starting with justification, I mean, I would think Romans uh, 3 and 4 would be great places for justification. Uh, Absolutely. We're going to jump all over tonight. I didn't, again, this was last minute change, but all these passages, me and JD don't need to prep for this one. We got the word of God on this one. This is one of those topics that yeah. we like to talk about. So Yeah, and, and this is one of those topics also that we've had to we've had to grow through. Um, before we could speak on them. I mean, this is, this is, again, you know, if you've grown through stuff and, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm not saying we've got anything above anyone else, but seven years or eight years of walking with God, you, you, it's, it's the same as a one-year-old child versus an eight-year-old child. You, you can't compare them. You can't show the, the, the same leniency to the eight-year-old as you would the one-year-old. You also can't expect the one-year-old to complete tasks the eight-year-old can. The same process is, is happening with you as a Christian. Whether you like it or don't like it, you are being sanctified. <laughs> and, yeah. and this if is you're in Christ, you are being sanctified, whether you like line. it or not. 
Um, Jay, <laughs> you know, I was thinking before we actually go into justification, I want to show you guys where I believe Paul summarizes justification really well. And um, you might be aware of where I'm going, but check it out right here in Colossians 2. It says, um, I'm trying to see where I want to start at because, yeah, right here. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why as why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to regulations? No, that's not it. My bad. I know it's in here somewhere that I wanted to go to. Oh, there we Colossians go. Colossians 1. I, I literally have it highlighted. No, I'm sorry. I literally looked over my own highlight. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. And then how did he do that? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Because you need to understand justification is a legal term. And God is a God of standards. God is a God of perfection and justice, right? So when people act like, why do these things matter? Because if God was unjust, they wouldn't. You know how atheists sometimes, J.D., will be like, why doesn't God just, you know, just let us, you know, whatever, forgive us. That's not how God works. God yeah. works in a, in a perfect way. So therefore, if there's a perfect law, a perfect law that by necessity requires punishment, there has to be a way that this gets settled for him to allow us in his kingdom. So what did he yeah. do? He said, you were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcised of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them, uh, over them in him. So he put the law to the cross, which we see Paul say this over and over again, because it had to be, it has to be done justly and punishment Amen. must be handed out. So when you stand before God, either you need to be adjudicated or Christ got adjudicated for you, but Amen. it's not walking away with neither. Somebody is getting, getting the punishment and, and I don't and, know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you could go, if you go, go to second Corinthians five, um, as well, go to Second Corinthians chapter five, and I'm going to show you guys something here in line with what Mike just said. Again, if you are in Christ, this is the key that a lot of people don't understand. We're not talking about vain believers, we're not talking about self appointed prophets and apostles and people that do demonic activity that literally entertain doctrines of demons. This is not what we are talking about. We are talking about people that are physically in Christ. Because if you are in Christ, you will realize the battle with the flesh and the spirit. It's a daily yeah. thing. JD, you know what? I think that's a big problem too, that everybody wants to take the word of anyone who says they're a Christian. So therefore, exactly. they just look at these people and if they fall away, like, oh, well, you know, this person, here's, let me just, Say one thing, JD, and then I'll let you have it back. Do not make God a liar before you make a man a liar. If the Amen. word of God says that if they say they love God, but hate their brother, they are a liar. Mm. It says if mm. anyone says they're not a sinner, they are a liar. If anyone says they love God, but no, if anyone says they have fellowship with him, but walk in darkness, they are lying. That's what the word of God says. But yet Christians will reject what God says and say, well, that person, he was at my Bible group for two years and I know that guy and he's saved and he walked away. So you'd rather make God a liar than make that man a liar. 
So I just want to remind you all that the word of God is. <laughs> I despise you. <laughs> but yeah, just want to point that out there because that's the number one argument. You ever notice that the main arguments against what we're preaching are always like experiential, uh, opinionated, uh, what ifs, like, well, what if this happens? And I know someone yeah. that did this. Like, what what did God say? Yeah. And 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 one one thing we learned early on, and, and I know Mark's also gone through this because he's also studied this. One thing we learned early on in apologetics, using past references to try and justify something that might possibly happen in the future is not a good argument. We can't say, well, so-and-so once did this, so so-and-so might do that. It, we can't use things that have happened as justifications for something that might happen. It's a possibility. No, we look at the word of God and we stand on the word of God. So here's the thing. You can either stand on the word of God or you can't. You, you cannot decide whether sometimes today, maybe tomorrow, five minutes, you're either standing on the word of God. God. I'm going to die on yeah. it. It's the greatest. Let me Absolutely. tell you right now, if y'all wonder why is Mike able to be so confident in my videos? Because if I just stand on the word of God, what are people going to say? I just stand on yeah. the word of God. It ain't Mike. I'm not wise. I just stand on the word of God. And if you Amen. stand on it, you'll find out how quickly if you go back to the basics, you don't need to spruce up the gospel. What did we talk yeah. about in my live earlier? Paul said, I did not come to you with words of wisdom. I came mm. to you preaching Christ crucified so mm. that your faith would rely on God's power, not the wisdom of man. We preach Christ, yeah. Christ crucified. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Just go and just, just scroll down to where he want? starts the ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. Just, just go down a little bit. There we go. Okay. So now here we, here we see what well, Paul, he's addressing the church at Corinth through more than likely I've got the same problem. They've and, and we've just seen earlier on Second Corinthians 5 7, he says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. So this is this number the first thing for the believer is is we walk by faith, not by things we can see, not by things we can touch and feel, by faith. So here he goes on. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also in to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. There he's making it very clear. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. For if we are in the right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And if he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for, the, for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Come on again. We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if, any was, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation and the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So Anderson, much is said there. Right there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And again, 
I don't think people understand what that really means. Because when you start doubting your salvation, if the Lord has allowed the old you to pass away and you're born again, a new creation, do you die and then resurrect as the zombie of your old self and become the yeah. old creation? And here's a question. If you believe you can go out of grace and come back into grace, you telling me spiritually, you just be like dead, alive, dead, alive, dead, alive, <laughs> dead, alive. How many times can you go back and forth from old creation to new creation? Yeah. Or is it that you're a new creation? And I hope it's, I think it's in this same chapter where it says uh, that you don't belong to yourself. Uh, you you were bought for a price. Well, no, it says, um, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. That's actually a strong one. It doesn't say yeah. God expecting you to make an appeal through you. Yeah. The language that I, I swear, some people believe that all scriptures breathed by God, but then doubt that God had every play in every type of grammatical setup. Like if he's making it clear, like absolutes, for example, if it says nobody, I don't think God is over here using hyperbole when it's all been literal you know what i mean like yeah. there's moments where it'll say nobody can do this and like well well you know god just you know it's metaphorical no god knows grammar right. the holy spirit knows grammar <laughs> there's a clear statement here god is making an appeal through you we implore you on behalf of christ be reconciled to god for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of god that's not what i was looking for but i was Hoping that it was yeah, close but it's a good point. And I want to give you this analogy with Ooh. with with new creatures. So if if you've got a child, right? You've given you you you've got a little boy or girl, and they grow up, and by the age of sixteen or seventeen, there are so many mistakes they've made. They they're they're delinquents in every possible way. You can't just go, okay, I'm going to reset this kid. I'm going to put them back in the womb, and we're going to give this another go. Um, that's that's kind of the way people see falling away. Like you can be a Christian for a season, fall away, and then get reborn again, and this time do it better. Like a like a video game, you can keep you can keep going at this thing until you get it right, um, and you can keep falling away until you get it right. But the next time you get born again, now this time you must really really be born again and like be extra born again, like. You just got to you got to do this right this time. <laughs> and again, then we we completely ignore sanctification and we ignore justification. We ignore adoption and we ignore salvation as a whole, because if your salvation was dependent on anything you did, then Christ would have to die again and again. That's this is again, we can go to Hebrews six and refer to that constantly when people speak about losing salvation or walking away from it anyone who has walked away from the faith and i say this with full confidence anyone who has walked away from the faith has deconstructed from their faith never believed in christ and what he did for them they believed in themselves and what they could do for christ i would add one That's caveat to that and that would be if they die that way because we don't know if someone's going through a season, what does first Corinthians three say, JD, if we build upon that foundation of Christ with wood and sticks and, and, and leaves, it can be burnt up, up and suffer great loss. And I know people that built upon the foundation of Christ poorly and they went through a couple years of some dark years, but then the Lord yeah. brought them back. 
but they had to get broken down first. And if you think that's unjust of God, because, you know, people try to play this game like, well, why would God do that? This, I swear, the new phase of Christianity almost doesn't even read the rest of the Bible. Like this idea, like God doesn't break down his children. Moses gets breaking down. Abraham gets broken down. David gets broken down. David was running away from the king and then Saul gets cast away. Paul gets all types of crap and stone and John gets boiled and, and Peter of crucified. I've said like this idea, it's the prosperity gospel sneaking into Christianity. Remember we said last hmm. week that so people look at the, at the extreme prosperity gospel and don't, don't realize what the Satan is sliding you on the low. Like, look at them with private jets. God would never let you suffer too much. Right. And it's like, well, I'm not that over there, but life, oh man, <laughs> people don't realize it. Not at all. And, and, and this is, this is the sad part of, of what happens to, to Christians when they spend five minutes a week in the, in the word. And I'm just going to read my Bible here and there, you know, um, when Christ clearly gave instruction that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Um, and, and we don't take that as a literal statement that, that Jesus is giving us. If Jesus said, listen, you can't live just on the food you eat. You need the word of God. You need these words to guide you, to keep you nourished, to keep you focused. You need to be spiritually fed. If you're not feeding yourself spiritually, and that is by prayer and reading the word of God, you will starve yourself and you will be tripped up to deceit. Um, and I'm speaking from personal experience too. You know, things sound good. You, you, you look at a couple of teachers and you're like, oh, I never noticed that before. And then you, you blindly fall into this pattern of watching people again and again and again, and you never go back to the text. You never go back and, and, and see what they said. Does it really check out with the word of God? And when then you need a brother to come along and go, hey, wake up. What are you doing? Like, smack yeah, <laughs> smack me upside the head. And, and, and this is exactly why Mike and I have, and even Justin, you know, and, and this is why we have this conversation, these conversations off air, because we'll run ideas by one another. Like, yo, just tell me if I'm losing it. Like, this is the idea I just had. And and like, is this don't run is, is this, to TikTok with your idea? Run, they have to run to a brother, to the, run to the papers with their idea rather than run to a brother. Yes, yeah, amen. So, so I brought this up, JD, because I, I think this is really strong as well as we discuss kind of these basics, right? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. And and the reason I even was reading this recently, I swear some of the things lately, I feel like the Lord's really been guiding me through some scriptures lately. But, you know, everybody has asked, always asks these questions about, is this a sin? Is this a sin? And the fact that we still think something is a sin would require a law because sin is transgression of the law. But Paul tells us where there is no sin because there is no law, right? And we are dead to sin. We are dead to sin. And that's why we see Paul saying, all things are lawful for me. And you start to realize we no longer need to walk around saying, is this a sin? Is this a sin? Now we should ask, is this helpful for me? Is this good for me? Is this glorifying to God for me? And that's why Paul says these things like, all things are permissible. Not all things are good. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. And then as you go down, he goes into this analogy, he jumps into sexual immorality, which also is a message. But I also see him kind of teaching us about that connection with God. And it says that if you lay with a prostitute, what does it say? That you become one body with her and that we are 
one with Christ. So would we take Christ to lay with a prostitute? And what I really wanted to focus on is verse 17. Oh, actually right before that. Well, no, verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. It's one now. One cannot go back to two. Two could become one. One doesn't go back to two. We know this Amen. because Jesus came into the flesh and became one with flesh and it will never go back. We believe this is called the hypostatic Amen. union. Likewise, his spirit comes with us and what, what God brings together, let no man separate. And then listen to what it mm. says next. After saying that, if you go down literally one more verse after he tells you don't have sex because that's the sin against the body, uh, a pre, well, sexual immorality, verse 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Stop. If I'm bought and I'm not my own, then only he can lose me. I can't lose salvation. Only he can fail me. I can't lose salvation. Only he yeah. can let me lose salvation. If Christ is our advocate, only way I'm losing salvation is if he stops advocating for me. In fact, I'll give the people that say that one inch in their argument. Let's pretend you can lose salvation. I won't unless Jesus stops advocating. When he stops interceding on my behalf, I'll lose it. Period. Yeah. And that's what I that's don't think it. people understand the relationship that you now have with Christ and being in Christ. This is not just a stamp you got on the wrist. And if you wash too much, it comes off. Yeah. And, and this is, this is kind of the, the approach that we see a lot of Christians take. And let me tell you why this bled into the church. Just, just let me give you a quick backstory. Here. If we see this in, in, in as little as three decades, as little as three decades, we see a, a massive change. I want to I want to show you something. We 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 just we just went through, we just went through with with Luke on creation. So I just want to show you guys something. Um, I just want to show you the assemblies of God. The assemblies of God is a denomination. So I don't know if anyone yes part of the assemblies of God, but I'm going to show you what happens to what's happened to the church as a whole. So the assemblies of God, they all, they took their doctrine of creation. So all churches have doctrines and decrees that they, that they hold fast to. This is part of this. You can find this on their websites and their homepages. And this is the assemblies of God. And this is the, this is what they released the doctrine of creation that they stand by in 1977. They said, this is what they say. The Bible, the Bible record of creation thus rules out the evolutionary philosophy, which states that all forms of life have come into being by gradual progressive evolution carried on by resident forces. It also rules out any evolutionary origin for the human race, since no theory of evolution, including theistic evolution, can explain the origin of the male before the female, nor can it explain how man can evolve into a woman. The account of creation is intended to be taken as factual and historical. Our understanding of God as creator is rooted in revelation that is the historic that is historical in nature, just as our understanding of God as a redeemer is rooted in the revelation of God's dealings with Israel in history and in the historical events of life, death, and the resurrection of his son. So that's their, that's their doctrinal claim in 1977. Now watch this. This is what they, this is just 
33 years later, the same Assemblies of God. I don't even know what he's about to read, but I know that denomination and where it's at today. So I, I'm actually looking forward to hearing this part. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is just a mere three decades later, 33 years later. They, This is their new statement. The advance of scientific research, particularly in the last few centuries, has raised many questions. Right. So this is their, their new doctrinal statement. Has raised many questions about interpretation of, in Genesis and of, of the accounts of creation in attempting to reconcile the Bible and the theories and conclusions of contemporary scientists. It should be remembered that the creation accounts do not give precise details as to how God went about his creativity, nor do these accounts provide us with complete chronologies and enable us to date with precision the time of various stages of creation. Similarly, the findings of science are constantly expanding and accepted theories of one generation are often revised in the next. As a result, equally devout Christian believers have formed very different opinions about the age of the earth, the age of humankind, and in which ways God went about the creative processes. Given the limited information, listen to this, given the limited information in scripture, it does not seem wise to be overly dogmatic about any particular creation in history. We urge all sincere and conscious believers to adhere to what the Bible plainly teaches and to avoid divisiveness over debatable theories of creation. Do you see what's happened yet? Mr. Madison, in, in, in a mere three decades, the same, the same one of the truth. Most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. And that's and, and now why did I read this? Because this is the same thing they've done with with salvation and sanctification. The church has bled this new doctrine in where you can, if you don't come to church, if you don't tithe, if you don't do certain things, you can fall away. You can lose what God has freely given. You can Ephesians 2 verse 8, 9 and 10 no longer applies to the believer in the prosperity gospel church, because if you're not giving, you're not winning. If you're not sowing, you're not reaping. And again, completely taking out of context what those verses say. So this is just, again, the wall we will die on. And I speak for my brother as well is biblical truth. If it's not in God's word, it's not from God. It's that simple. <laughs> Listening to your video on, on that prophet Lovi, who oh. says everything, not everything that's in God's word, you've heard it said, one of the biggest lies in Christianity. No, that's a classic case. No. When you say that, not everything has to be uh, according to scripture. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Classic case. Wow. Wow. Classic Classic case. And this is the same thing with salvation. Every All the doctrines we now see on salvation and people that claim that you can lose it, go look at their denomination. This is what I always say. Ask them what denomination they subscribe to. And mostly oneness Pentecostals and these charismatic movements, they are the ones who say that you can fall away and lose your salvation or walk away from it. I know I normally don't talk on specific denominations, but did you? I know I made a video recently basically speaking on the Pentecostal movement. Now, I know some good Christians that are Pentecostal, 
So I just want to make something clear. Like when we talk about denominations or churches, we're not talking about individuals because everybody can believe whatever they want. Like, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a church where everybody believes the same things. People can be a member of a church and not even, they just go there. Right. But when we speak about a denomination, we speak about their fundamental beliefs. Right. And I see nothing good that's ever come from Pentecostal. It, it, half of them don't deny the Trinity. Uh, majority of them deny eternal security. A uh, large portion of them believe that you can have a, uh, the Holy Spirit and a demon. Uh, 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 many of them believe in glossaria, which is we, we've had conversations about it. And, and it's just it's mind blowing. Like if you think a Holy Spirit indwelt believer can have a demon. I just want to read one verse for you. Know ye that ye are a temple of God and the spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. I wanted to read it in the King James because it just sounds so much great. So, so much yeah. better in King James. But anyone, any man, anyone to defile the temple of God will be destroyed. When a man put his hand on the ark to keep it from falling, he dropped dead. Do you think demons are that courageous? to enter into the Holy of Holies. <laughs> How do you even say yeah. that with a straight face? You think demons would walk into, like, imagine we still had the Holy of Holies. You could, if you were the high priest, no demons coming in there. I guarantee it. I literally would bet everything that I ever could have. No demons walking into the Holy of Holies. Don't care. Don't care. But yet we think somehow, yeah, imagine if a demon tried to go near the ark. Exactly. You are the new ark. I know that Catholics will say, Mary was the new ark. Well, no, because we all carry God now. We are all the new yeah. ark. We are all Amen. the ark of the covenant because the ark is where God met humanity. And now God meets humanity in all of you through you, makes his appeal through you. So I know we, we've been going a little bit, but let's Amen. pull back a little bit. So justification, how do we get to all that? Where we just talked about being sealed, having the Holy Spirit, having all that. Because once you have all that, you're hearing me literally say, like th that you're secured, right? So now the question is, well, how do I get to that part right there, right at that spot? Someone said, is the smoking uh, include defiling the body? Yes. And here's the thing. <clears throat> this isn't just for me. I I'm pointing to the demon thing, but this is written to you about how you build up. This is what I mean. Discipline is discipline. And if you go against God, it's not that you'll lose salvation. He might take you out of here early. You don't think that's possible? You don't think God will take one of his, oh, you ain't. Look at Moses. Moses got, wasn't, he was not allowed to go see the promised land. He died on the mountain watching his people go to the promised land. Why? Exactly. God loves you. He has no problem saying, if you're not doing what I said here, I'm going to take you home. I'm going to take you back here. So mm. yeah, the, why do you, when people ask me like, why, you know, if someone believes in God and they get cancer, you're saying God let them, what did they do to get that cancer? What did they do? God will let you get the, the, the payment for what you reap what you reap yourself right and yeah and, yeah, the, and that's the reality <laughs> you can't smoke 30 cigarettes a day for 20 years and then go oh why did i get cancer god like that's yeah. just stupid that's just plain stupid um, so again I, you probably are struggling with smoking or whatnot so we're not sitting here being like god's gonna punt what i'm saying is that you know what you're supposed to be doing you know that god doesn't want you to do that if you're you're on you're not under any law you're not about to lose your salvation for it but you could cut yourself short on doing things for God and, and, and the less things you could do for God, the less, believe me, I feel like the one, the one thing in heaven that we're all going to say is I wish I would have did more things for God, not in like a yeah. regretful way. Cause you're in heaven, but let's just be honest. 
we're going to look back and be like, all oh, that meant nothing. <laughs> like that was all pointless. Mm. I, this is eternity. I'm in man. I wish I would have stacked up more riches up here. And if I don't keep myself healthy, how can he send me overseas? If I don't take care of the temple that I, that I am in and I get cancer, well then I can't go minister and I can't go to here. <laughs> And, and I'm going to die early, so he can't use me in 10 years. And guess what? God is going to use you no matter what. So now he's going to use your death. And believe me, deaths bring people to God as well. So his mission will be accomplished. But I chose to, what part I played in that mission. This is why, what does Paul say in Second in Second Timothy, my favorite passage? If you want to be a vessel of honorable use, cleanse yourself. That's, That's your responsibility. You get to decide how God uses you. He said, go ahead. Do what you want me to, what do you want me to do with you? Do you want to be a dishonorable vessel? Do you want to be an honorable vessel? There's no losing salvation, but there is choosing your worth to God. Mm, mm, exactly. And, and, and that's just the point I wanted to drive home and very clear. There's lots of Christians that battle with smoking. Lots. Again, we're not saying you're not saved. It's, it's you are hindering yourself. It's, it's, it's all on your own walk. And like, like we've, like he's just said, the scripture just to bring it clear and abundantly do you want to be used by god to do the things god wants you to do like if we look at ephesians 2 verse 10 he says we are his master we are his workmanship he has before time ordained the works we will walk in so if we want to be his workmanship want to be used by him there are certain things we have to purge again purge yourself from these he's not saying i will come down on a cloud and just take it all away. Everything will be okay. I mean, That's... even in my own life, I used to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, which means I smelled like cigarettes too. Can you imagine me street preaching, walking up to people smelling like cigarettes? Like I used to smoke a pack a day. I also, many of you know, I was like 265 pounds last year and I'm down like 40 pounds, um, you know, like 220, 225. Uh, imagine me being out there this summer with Justin. And being out there in the streets, 102 degrees at 160 pounds, right? I couldn't even, I mean, 160, 260 pounds, right? And, and, and there's different, like I say, it's taking care of our temple, taking care of our spiritual health as well, right? Like, if you want God to use you, get to know the word, right? If I didn't put the years of study in, he wouldn't have used me for those things. You can't do it on your own. But the Holy Spirit will sit there waiting like, you want to study this? Like, imagine the Holy Spirit as like that eager friend that's willing to do anything you want, want anything you want to do with you. But like, he's waiting for you. Like, oh, you want to study? Like the Holy Spirit's like, let's do it. Open the Bible. Like he's ready. But if you don't open it, he's just sitting there like, all right, chilling. You grieving me? Are you grieving the spirit? And, and, and we know what comes from that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And that's not what we're saying either, Amber. Just to, uh, we're not saying all cancer is a result of sin. That's not what we're saying. Um, we've yeah, just no, seen that. No, well, well, well actually, the cause, the, all cancer is a result of sin, not your sin all the time, though. Because no matter yes. what, cancer is a result yeah. of sin. And I don't know if it's a result know. of the fall. Yeah. Yeah. No matter sin what, overall. Yeah. Yeah. Because first of all, the reason why our bodies aren't as good as they once were is because death has been introduced into humanity. The reason why you get certain types of cancer is because of the type of food that we eat, the processed food, the fake stuff. I mean, we eat. And I know I'm guilty of it. My wife's on here listening, and she probably like, I'm going to turn around and play this on next time he try and grab a snack. I'm guilty of it. 
I know eating these weird die number nines with tariff, clutchism and all, the chemicals you can't even pronounce. And, and if you really look at it, the people that live in those lands away from the pollution in the air, away from the processed foods that are eating the seeds and everything of their food, they're not getting cancer. They're not getting cancer. And they're living at like a buck 20, chilling, like still carrying stuff. We're dying at 63. If we make it to 70, we'd be like, yo, you 70? Congratulations, brother. Congratulations. Heck, yeah. I'm saying this is a lot to do with our greedy humanity. Maybe not you specifically, but it's a it's because of the fall. I just recently watched that documentary on Teflon, and it made me realize, like, wow, we really screwed humanity with how we made cooking ware, right? So there's a lot of issues that sin brings, and it's our fault. Yeah. Like we have to own up on that. Maybe it's not mine specifically. Like I didn't dump these things into our water or make these things, but humanity has failed. All right, let's get back to justification. How do we get to that point where we're secured in the spirit? Right. Cause I do want to, you know, definitely point at this. Um, I got to probably bring the Bible back up. Right. You know what you do? Yeah, that's it. That's it, son. That's it. Um, all right, so let's go back to Romans 3. So I'm going to summarize a couple parts because you don't. we don't need to re-go over it, but Romans 3, Paul go ahead. And, so in Romans 2 and Romans 1, Paul addresses Jews and Greeks, and he does so separately. Then here he puts them together and he says, both y'all have no right to stand before God. You are both wicked. No one is righteous. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongue to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood and their paths are ruin and misery. And the way that of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. If you don't realize Paul is trying to nail something home, let me know right now. Like Paul is trying to really drive this to the core. You do not deserve salvation. You do not want salvation. But then let's continue to what he explains. He says the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. That should sound familiar. John chapter five, Jesus said that you search the scripture as if they have eternal life but it is they that bear witness to me. So he said yeah. scripture instead of prophet and law, and he refers to himself rather than the righteousness of God. But right here, we're about to find out the righteousness of God is, is faith in Jesus Christ. So that's the same thing that Jesus is talking about. The exact same thing that Jesus explained. And he says, there's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. There's that word JD and I have emphasized by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who had faith in Jesus. A lot was just said right there. A lot sure. has been said right there. What yeah. And again, we see only John, only John and Paul use this word propitiation. We see only John and Paul put emphasis on the love of God 
and what salvation truly is. They put the most emphasis on eternal life and where we are headed and where we should be focused. It's not, notice with both Paul's, Paul's epistles and John's small epistles and the gospel of John, the emphasis is on heaven. The emphasis is on heaven where you should be. You should be heavenly minded, kingdom minded, focused on things above, not beneath. Focused on your life with Christ. Focused on your identity in Christ, not on things that are beneath. Amen. So I want to point out a couple, like, honestly, JD and I could spend three hours in Romans three, right? Romans, yeah. one of my favorite letters in the Bible. Like I, I love Romans. It's, it's one that I've been literally in like for the last year. Like if you've been following me for a long time, you know where we end up always back at Romans and first John. If you, if you attend all my live streams, you should have these almost memorized because of how much we read them. Because what do yeah. we see in them? Romans tells you the the greatest explanation on how to be justified and what it means. And First John confirms your salvation and affirms it for you. So, I mean, honestly, these two books, <laughs> these are really solid ones to go to. So we just got to skim through some stuff. But so the righteousness of God, right after being told you're, you are not righteous, you, you are not holy. But the righteousness of God is for those that are, have faith in Jesus. And, it, and it, this is important. His divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. You, do you notice that the Holy Spirit wants to make something known? God is so just that he's going to make it known. The only reason I didn't punish former sins is because of Christ, because I am just and I am the justifier. He, he makes sure to emphasize this because if not, you'd be like, well, what about before Jesus? Are those people all just lost? No, 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 no. I, I passed over former sins because of my divine forbearance. And then it goes on to explain that we are saved by faith before getting to Romans 4. And this is where we find justification and, and, and being imputed with Christ's righteousness. Now, you're going to hear a lot of people to, to, uh, argue about this thing. Catholics won't say you're imputed with Christ's righteousness. I'm sure others disagree as well. But we believe that the reason why we are even looked at as holy by God is that it's Christ's righteousness that is imputed upon you. And it says it right here. So it says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due and to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Very clear. Like I honestly don't even know why people get this confused. The one who works, what he receives is not a gift. It's his due but the one who receives an inheritance. And I like that it says he believes in him who justifies the ungodly. Because this word believes here in Greek, if I can get it to pop up, let's, let's drag this up. Because I want you to understand what this, passage, what this verse is actually saying. This word in Greek means, I believe a person or a statement made by a person. 
I place or repose my trust on either God or the Messiah. I rely on, I commit my life to them. I believe in, I believe on, I cast myself upon them as stable and trustworthy with energy of faith. This word believe being used here in Greek. See, you and me see belief in English in our dumb language. And it's just like, oh, belief. I have a thought in my head. I believe it. Like, I believe there's water in this bottle. That's not the kind of belief it's talking about right here. It's talking about a belief that is, I cast my everything on it. And when you really read it then to the one who does not work, but casts all their trust in the one who does the work, justifying you, the ungodly. So in this verse, you see what it takes to believe. You believe in him who justifies the ungodly, which would imply that you know you're ungodly, right? You can't say, believe in him who justifies the ungodly without believing that you're the ungodly. So recognizing I'm ungodly and I cast all my trust on him. I'm not going to try and do it on my own because I can't. I will fail every time, but I will cast it all upon him whom I trust. And for the one who does that, this is what David writes about that one person. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Can I get an amen from, I, I don't, if, if you're not amening the fact that your sin is not being counted, the only reason you're not damned and going to hell is because you trust in Jesus. And for that reason, the fact that you sin every day is not sending you to hell. Cause that's that right there is the reason why you can actually lay your head on your pillow at night and not fear with tremble that you will be cast into the burning fire. I don't know about you. If it was possible for me to lose my salvation, I don't know how I would sleep at night because I am yeah. a wretched sinner. I am a wretched sinner. If I could lose my, that's why I tell, I ask people that said they can lose their salvation, JD. I'm sure you've heard me ask this. Do you have peace? Do you have peace? No, they don't. They because don't. here's what Romans 5 starts with. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Bam. End. Notice also, end. <clears throat> notice it's not justification isn't an ongoing process. What does it say? Therefore, since we have been, so this has happened, justified, it's complete, it is finished, like he said on the cross, we have peace with God. And this word peace is the Greek uh, version of shalom. True shalom is true peace, which means no imminent fear, no imminent danger. You cannot be at, so if, if, if America was at war right now, even if I'm safe here, I wouldn't be able to be at peace. If there's a chance at any moment that a missile comes, right? If you have any chance, if there's any chance the wrath of God may be poured out on you, you cannot have true peace. So now I ask you, do you believe you have peace with God? I know I do because I have been justified by faith so I can have peace with God through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But if you Amen. doubt your salvation every day, how do you not go to sleep literally shaking? Because what if, what if I lost my salvation today? What if I've committed a mortal sin before I laid my head on this pillow and I died a night in my sleep and I am eternally lost? I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know how. And that's the bottom <laughs> line. I'm serious though. Like I really don't know how. I I, I don't know how J JD. Like I, I really. 
Because I don't and, know about and, you, and this I'm is greatest every day. And this is ultimately why, if if people have asked me, if I come across a live, and 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 I'm going to say there's 110 people here right now, if you come across a live where they are telling people they can lose their salvation, and people are entertaining it, keep scrolling, yes. keep scrolling, just keep scrolling. You know what's the song in in Nemo? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Ooh, that's, ooh, that's. I have that's, a great moment. I have a great moment. <laughs> I never thought I'd have an actual moment to use that sound. I'm excited that you brought me to that. Thank you, sir. Everybody else is surprised. Like, what in the world? That's, that's a great moment. It's a great moment. Exactly. I just thought about something too. So now I want to go somewhere in scripture and then you made me forget because I start playing with you. Darn it, baby. <laughs> Keep talking to them for a second. Keep talking. To them. This is this is exactly why. Why do I say keep scrolling? Because if that's where they at, and this is what we see people do, they deflect. People deflect and project. So if I'm if I've got fear, they've got no peace. They've got no peace. They don't sleep well at night. They're constantly worrying about their salvation. So I'm going to do a live and make everybody else worry about their salvation too. This is ultimately what happens. They're projecting what they feel onto other people. And, and the word of God stands true. JD, second highlight. Read it real slow and real loud. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. Okay, now let me ask you, JD. If I told you that I'm a man of God, and I'm here to let you know that God is not strong enough to keep you saved and you have to do the work. What am I doing? I have the appearance of what? Denying what? Yeah. Or yeah. you could be indwelt with a demon. So fear demons. Having Amen. the appearance of godliness, yet denying all of its power. I'm just saying, almost like Amen. the word of God warned you about these people denying the power Amen. of God. Now we talked about justification. We're justified by faith. And I want to just prep you guys. I'm not going to sit here. You will. You will hear this sometimes real quick. Some people say, what about James? Because in James chapter two, this is the passage that everybody runs to. They think all the Bible is in, in, is in opposition to James. Like James was like, you know what, Paul, I'm going to stand against all of you, which I don't even know how a Christian can say such, like act like they would contradict each other, but they don't. James says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works? And this is where people start saying, well, well, look, 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 look. No, stop, stop it. And I've realized with this one, all I can do is say it, and then if you want to take it, you take it. And if you want to run away and say, I don't agree, then don't agree. This is where proper hermeneutics comes into play. First and foremost, what is James writing about? What is James writing about? Because here's the thing. Not a single part of James' letter is about getting saved. His entire letter are to people who walk in the spirit already. And what is the, uh, the entire letter of James about? reminding them about walking correctly and representing God correctly. 
This entire chapter begins with what does it profit if you say you have faith but don't do anything? What is What does he mean? What does it profit? Because Peter actually enlightens us. This is why we study precept upon precept, line upon line, because we can actually see things in each scripture that are going to correlate with each other. What does Peter say? We read it last week in 2 Peter, that if you don't do the things God asks you to do, you will be what? Ineffective. What is James trying to do? He's writing to people who are exiled away from the group of the Christians and telling them that you have to walk this way. And it, literally, James is actually referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament. He's not talking about your salvation. This is why he made it clear that, where's it at? He says, you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled. So he's explaining to you that, yes, Abraham was made righteous by his faith, but God had a plan for Abraham, which needed him to do it, and that completed it. So guys, don't just sit there with your dead faith, but do what God is calling you to do because we have a mission. This is what James is about. That's why in James 3, he says, not all should be teachers. In James 3, he tells you not to use your tongue for evil, wicked ways. In James chapter 4, he tells us not to uh, uh, curse people made in his image and not to boast. And then he says, uh, he talks about your, the way you pray and what you ask for. This entire letter is not about salvation, but yet people that want to pick their, they want to build yeah. a bear of their religion. They want to build a bear of their yeah. doctrine. They jump from this scripture to this scripture. Like you can't take one line from James and insert it to all Paul writing. Because what they'll, do is they'll stand on Paul for everything in Romans, but they'll skip that like you're justified by faith. They'll be like, well, James says, well, wait, you got to either you either got to answer for why these are different or you have to understand how they work together. You cannot just be like, well, you can't respond to a passage of Paul and say, well, then what about James? Because then you're admitting that it's not all Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's it's the same as people going to to one John, you know, and and, and I know I know the Catholics love to do this, you know, with when it comes to confession of sin, confessing our sins to one another, um, and He is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Our sins are already forgiven. Our sins are already blotted out. The the forgiveness, what we what what John is putting emphasis on is if I go to Mike, who's my brother in Christ, and I go, bro, I messed up so badly today. This is what I did. I've sinned against God. I feel ashamed. And, and he's there to comfort me. I've, I've, I've confided in my brother. There's freedom in that confession. There's freedom in that confession. It's not, it's got nothing to do with whether God has or has not forgiven me. My sins were already paid for at the cross. This is a freedom. This is me taking the baggage and dropping it off. You know, it's funny. That's what it is. Even when you say those words, here's all I think of. I don't even think what they what they think. When you said confess to your brothers, knowing God is just to forgive. I hear yeah. confess to your brothers to get it off your spirit because you've been forgiven. Amen. It, it, if it, if exactly. you eat it, if you hold it, you'll condemn yourself while exactly. God has forgiven you. That's why, therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Confess it. Say, yo, bro, I've been messing up. I need to get this off and just make sure that I'm not holding it up. I've been failing lately. I've been a bad husband. I've been a bad father. I've been a bad whatever it is. Let it out. Pour it out so that you're not sitting there and resenting yourself and being angry at yourself and, and, and condemning yourself. But we know that he forgives. And sometimes our brothers have to remind us about that. Sometimes we mm. get so caught up in our flesh that I need JD to be like, bro, it's over. It was yesterday, and yesterday doesn't exist. Let's focus on yeah. today. And then you play yeah. that song again. Let it go. 
That's that, <laughs> Again, that's... <laughs> this is what people don't understand. We say it all the time. Majority of the Bible is written to help you walk in your faith better, not to get saved. <laughs> the, the gospel is in the Bible and how to get saved is in the Bible. But the majority of it is about how to walk in your salvation. And this is where we get to actually great transition, J.D., now the next step, which is sanctification, because if we don't talk sanctification and you just hear salvation, this is where we get the people that then say, well, what if I mess up? And what about this? Because you don't realize you're being perfected in Christ. You are being yeah. conformed to his image. And honestly, we can go a few Hebrews, <laughs> yeah, hey, Hebrews, Hebrews Romans. But before I go to Hebrews, since we're already in Romans, I'm going to jump to Romans uh, six and seven, because oh, we see yeah. here. That oh, yeah. we were once slaves to sin, right? Uh, let me see. Here we go. Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? I love that Paul knows that these questions are coming. So he asks them in the letter and then responds to the question himself. Because he knows that when you tell someone that you're dead to your sins and that you're not under a law, what are the first thing they're going to say? That they're still saying today. Isn't that crazy? How Does is that it? mean you can sin all you want to sin? So now you can sin all you want to sin. <laughs> how, how is it that they don't recognize that they're taking the position of the opposition in scripture? Like yeah. if I was to repeat anything, like if I find myself repeating something Satan said in scripture, I would hope someone smacks me and says, Mike, you don't sound like the apostles. You sound like Satan right now. <laughs> I don't want to sound like Satan. So I don't want to sound like the ones opposing the gospel, but yet they sound just like that. Oh, Oh, you, you believe in faith alone, so you're saying we can just sin all we want? We got all the grace we want? By no means. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? This is what I'm trying to explain to you all. We do sinful actions, but we do not sin because there is no longer sin. The question is now, is it good for me or bad for me? Yes, we still do sinful actions. I'm not perfect anymore. But however, once you are in Christ, we just read it, Romans 4, two chapters before this. Blessed is the man whom the Lord counts no sin, sin. against. Amen. Like you can't you can't word that any other way. Next time someone tells you that you can lose your salvation by sinning your way out of it, ask them when does God start counting my sin again, and why doesn't He start counting yours if He's going to start counting mine? Like what line did I cross that you never crossed? Ask them that. At what point did I become unworthy but you stayed worthy? Oh, holy one, oh righteous one. Would thou like me to bend down and bow and kiss thy feet? Nah, don't get like that. I'm petty. That's that. that leave that to me. <laughs> don't be petty. I'll be petty. <laughs> oh man, it goes on, but and we can, like exactly. I said, we can sit here and go ahead, uh, kind of summarize a little bit of this. So I'm trying not to read it in depth because we don't got enough time. We got 30 minutes, and I got a lot of sanctification <laughs> talk. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot to do when it comes to sanctification. I mean, this is a three part podcast on its own, but what Paul is again saying here, you know, just with that first line, and 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 people will be like, when we say all Christians are called to apologetics. All Christians, 1 Peter 3.15 says you have to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. When someone says, why do you believe in Jesus? You can't just say, because the Bible says so, or because of a personal experience. Yes, these are good. These are good things. But while we're going through sanctification, it is important to understand people are going to look at you and go, I thought you said you were a Christian. 
because now you've dropped an F-bomb in public or you've lost your temper in public uh, and people will go, but you said you were a Christian. And we don't go, we don't go to, you know, we don't go to people that are non-Christians and when they do a good deed and saying, wait a minute, you did a good deed. I thought you were an atheist. You just did something a Christian would do. We don't do that. So, but the world loves to point the finger at the Christian going, you said you were saved. I just heard you swear. You said you were saved. I just saw you lose your temper. And this is why it is important to understand what sanctification is. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, Steve. Hey, Steve, get out Good of here, evening. Steve. No, get, get out of here, bro. Uncalled for. I'm sorry, guys. Unnecessary. Good evening. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. My wife's so upset about that. <laughs> Oh, oh, man. Want to stop feeding my immaturity. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, your wife's gonna give you a whipping after this after this show. She's I'm an immature you a child. Whipping. I know. I, I, really, <laughs> I really am. I probably get back on topic. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> For everybody listening on Spotify, I hope that you're aware of who Steve is. I feel bad for the one person who never actually has been on TikTok, but they follow us on Spotify, have no idea what we look like, and they're like, "What is Steve? What what is this? What is happening right now? What is happening right now?" Um, the one said, "Steve needs to be in the flower beds, but y'all keep agging this man on." I told y'all he legit was meant for the flower bed. I have to go replace him now. I can't, I can't, yeah. Steve's part of the family. Steve's part of the family. Um, so sanctification, I want to, I want to run through this real quick on this part. So you, let's just give you a quick understanding. Basics, we're back to the basics, right? Before Christ, I'm going to do this Barney style, JD, ready? Thank you, Shelly. <laughs> before you were in Christ, you were a slave to sin. Slavery to sin breaks at the cross. Now you're a slave to righteousness. I don't think people understand this because it's funny. The very people that will say, well, what if I walk away from Jesus one day are, are saying they have the power to walk away from Jesus, but yet they would probably say they don't have the power to stop sinning. So they mean they, they're telling me that their willpower to walk away from Jesus is stronger than their willpower to stop sinning. Because if you got the power to walk away from Jesus, but you don't have the power to stop sinning, that's a really interesting dilemma that you put yourself in. Because you're telling me sin has more power over you than God. I don't know about you, but my drive for sin was replaced with God. And now I want God the way I used to want sin. Paul's about to explain that in Romans 7. After he goes through this, I'm basically nutshelling uh, Romans 6. Let's go right into Romans 7 where he talks about how sin dwells in his flesh still, but no longer does his mind want it. And if we remember what Jesus taught, Jesus taught that what? They acted like it in their flesh, but their hearts were far from him. So it was the opposite. Their hearts wanted sin, but they just don't do it because they're fear of the law. So we, we don't commit adultery because we're keeping the law, but our hearts want to cheat on our wives. Our hearts yeah. want to do so. And we don't commit murder because we don't want to break the law, but our hearts want to hurt somebody. This is what Jesus tells you. You can just look with anger. You've committed murder in your heart because that's what you want. But then listen to what Paul says. So I got to get near the end of Romans 7 because I don't want to try and read it all. But he goes, 
I uh, no, let me start a little bit above that. Did uh, okay, here we go. We'll start at 18. Now, if I do what I do not want, I should have my bad, JD. I keep jumping. Some people will try to tell you that this is Paul talking about before he was saved. Listen to the things he's saying and tell me if this is a believer or an unbeliever. If I do not, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. No non-believer would say the law is good. So this is not before he was a believer. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That's not an unbeliever statement. That's a believer statement. That is in my flesh. That's a believer statement. For I have the desire to do what is right. That's a believer statement. If you don't feel this right now, this is your sanctification process. I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And then here's the sanctification verse. If you need a verse that help you get through sanctification, it's Romans 7, 24 through Romans 8, 1. And I got to read them together. Because I don't care if someone decided to put a chapter number here. It's not really supposed to be here, I bet. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind. I want God with my mind, but my flesh, I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's all. I mean, we could keep going, but I told you I don't. But really this is again where we where we see, and that's why I said to people when you read Romans it's seven and eight, you go. Time, my bad. <laughs> it's fine, but here we see that the transition from seven to eight is actually the, they weren't. This is where we see that the verses and chapters were not there beforehand because seven through eight to verse four are in perfect unity. They're in perfect unity, and that's why you have to, when you finish chapter 7, you have to read Romans 8, verses 1 through 4, because we see, again, if you go read verse 4, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, again, if you walk according to the flesh, if you wake up angry, if you wake up in a, in a state of, you know, I'm going to do something, guess what? You will satisfy that. And this is why when we see someone like that, a Connie or whatever her name is, who claims she's a sinless Christian, we can simply sit and go, she's the biggest liar on the platform because she is lying about her inward thoughts. She's lying about the condition of her heart. Um, because if the Apostle Paul, chosen by Christ on the road to on the road to Damascus, ready to go slaughter Christians like he has been doing. He's been killing Christians for a living, and he's enjoying it. This is the this is the other part. Paul makes it abundantly clear. I persecuted the church of God. I was killing them. I'm the least of the apostles. Of all sinners, I am chief. Paul is making this abundantly clear so that no believer, so that no believer can think, okay, well, I'm not good enough. 
I'm not good enough to be accepted by Jesus. Like Jesus died for all the sins except for mine. And, and this is how a lot of people are out there preaching. Like Jesus died for all the sins of the world except you because you, you're just too bad. You're, you're that unforgivable soul. And let me just tell you something. that This is people who claim they are sinless, who claim they have perfected something in the word of God, that they have found some revelation and God has revealed something to them and they are able to walk. Sin is a law. The same way gravity is a law, there, there is nothing you can do. You are powerless to the forces of sin within your flesh. flesh. And this is again. You are powerless to the sin which is within your flesh. But you, your sins are no longer being imputed to you, no longer being counted by God because you are a new creature in Christ. And therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Again, what we said at the very beginning of this episode, you have to be in Christ, though. This is not, this is not head knowledge of the gospel. This is not, oh, I've heard it and it sounds cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join this roller coaster for a season and then I'll jump on the next trend in another season. If you are submitted to a life in Christ, be prepared to be sanctified. Be well, prepared actually, to be sanctified. It kind of, we uh, might as well keep going real quick because this is, this incorporates all of this as well. This is like a big summary of why you're saved. And this is also should be confirmation in like that eternal security. He says that God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. And Paul emphasizes this a lot that the, the law can't save you. It can't. For if, if righteousness was by the law, Christ died for no reason. That's what he says. All right. So the, the law wasn't capable because it was weakened by the flesh because you couldn't keep it. So what did God do? He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So Jesus's flesh got condemned for your sin in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So understand what that says. The righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in you, fulfilled, completed, finished, closed, done. It is finished on the cross, right? So therefore, there's nothing more to add to your righteousness, nor can you take from it. It's been fulfilled. So I can't mm. become holier. Mm. I can't become holier than Christ's righteousness. And therefore, I cannot decrease my righteousness either. And then what does it say? Who's that for, though? In us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, because we have the spirit that's guiding us. For those living according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. And I and I and I hate to say this, but I see Christians all the time that still set their minds on a lot of things of the flesh. Mm. And then it says, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And then here's the part that's strong for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So the irony is um. people will say how they're pleasing God more because I keep his feasts. I keep his laws. I do this. But the truth is you do not please him one bit. You are an abomination to him. And it's not meant to be an offense. So was I. 
because we were, what does Isaiah say? Your righteous acts are dirty rags in the presence yeah. of a righteous God. You are. Yeah. We, we are. And, and you, Paul also confirms it. Yeah. Yeah. You, however, yeah. are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, you confessed Jesus as Lord and, and said a prayer. Nope. If in fact you did an altar call. Nope. If in fact your best friend said you're saved. Nope. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. So what does that sound like our role should be? We need to make sure the spirit of God dwells in us. Wow, that's interesting, JD. What does it seem like we see Paul, John, and Peter emphasizing heavily how to recognize the spirit of God in you? Amen. Amen. That's what That's the Bible, it. we see constantly, look for these deeds and don't do these things. They're not saying it like, if you do these, you lose salvation. You do these, you gain it. They're, they're trying to let you know, like, you shouldn't want to be around the darkness because if you're in darkness, it's probably because the spirit ain't in you. Probably if the spirit ain't in you. Yeah. We are filthy rags. Then go down just a little bit more. We talk no about flesh will be justified in the sight of God. That's that's the bottom line. We Amen. always have to remember that. No flesh will be justified in the sight of God, which Paul also puts emphasis on here. In this book, in the book of Romans, no flesh will stand before God justified. I actually love this right here. I was going to skip it by accident, but hold on. Wait a minute. It says... Um, you, however, are not in the flesh. We read that part, right? And it says, anyone who mm. does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. It doesn't that. say, it doesn't say that they used to or whatever. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you do not. You never belong to him. You don't belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And then here's what I wanted to read. If the spirit of, of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So we believe that the spirit that rose a body from the grave and has done many other things, creation, and a demon can get in there? Wait a minute. Make that make sense. But the spirit that casts demons out will share a home with demons. That's what people want to tell me. Or the spirit that that rose life from the grave and formed man of the dust can't keep me on the straight and narrow path. It doesn't make sense. That's not how it works. We have been adopted, and that's why I have that highlighted. But we have received the spirit of adoption as sons, and we've talked uh, about this we, adoption before. By who? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was just going to finish reading that, and this is this is probably one. I mean, I want you guys to just picture the senior. Paul is writing to them and, and he's like, how, you know, we've, we've, we've gone through this. I've preached to you. You've seen the miracles. You've seen what God has done. You've witnessed you guys. Many of those who Paul is writing to among the Romans is, is divided between Jews and Gentiles have witnessed the goodness of Christ. And yeah, he pleads with them, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And he notice how it's ex exclamation, Abba, exclamation, Father. And if you just go look at that spirit of adoption in the Greek, we, we see the, the fullness of, of, of what Paul is, is saying here. <clears throat> and it's absolutely beautiful.
absolutely beautiful. A son in the order. Oh, no, never mind. That's the other word. So, yeah, my definition only has adoption there. Um, so I apologize. But uh, I, we've shared before about the importance of adoption in those days. And we just mentioned earlier that God knows the words he's using when he writes the scriptures through men. And that word adoption back then was very important because you could not disown and adopt a child and you had to give them a right no. to your inheritance. And honestly, some states here in America still have that rule. I don't know if you guys know this, but there's some states still that if you adopt, you can never disown and you have to give an inheritance to them. Right. And, and yeah. If that's how the uh, how this error was, why do you think the Holy Spirit is guiding John and Paul to use these words? John chapter one says, whoever believes has been given the right to become adopted as children of God. And then here's Paul saying that you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. You can never be disowned. You have an inheritance. And then it says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. So the spirit is in you saying this is a child of God. And if you keep going, it then says that the spirit uh, intercedes for you. I think it's only like, oh, let me close the Greek. I'm pretty sure it's, yeah, right here. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. So if you say I can lose salvation, when does the spirit stop helping me? For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us. Amen. When does the spirit stop praying for me? And when does the father say no to the spirit? Like in order to doubt what's happening in you would be to doubt the relationship between the spirit and the father. Are you saying that the spirit who prays for me on the things it knows I needs gets told no by the father? These people that tell you you can lose your salvation. Sure. They can cherry pick three or four verses. Answer questions that have to do with the Holy spirit. Answer questions that have to do with God. Don't play this game with me, but, but look over here. No, no, no. Address this first. When does the Holy Spirit's prayer stop being heard by God or yeah. Father, I should say? When does the and at and, what and, point? And then what does it say here? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. So you're telling me I can love God and then things won't work out for good. I'll fall away and lose my salvation. Well, you stop mm. loving God. But mm. wait a minute. If I loved God initially and all things work out for good initially. Because my love was initial. What are you talking about? Then the next line for those whom he foreknew and also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Last I checked, his son is perfection. Are you saying he can conform me to that and stop? I think people are scared of this, JD, because of those words foreknew and predestined. Yeah. Scared people. I'm talking, you better get some depends. People's pants turn colors. Can't wear your white mm -hmm. pants on on uh, on on Romans 8 day for the, <laughs> the anti- yeah. Anti-God sovereignty crew. Like, well, what do you mean pre-known and foreknown? You saying that God yeah. knows things that I'm not allowed to know? Yeah. How dare God know things? That was yeah. how, how dare God be God? And again, that that always begs the question: Why would we worship a God if we knew everything about Him? If we had Him all figured out, if we knew everything about God, the fullness of God, who He is, absolutely everything He's about to do next, tomorrow, and the day after that, why would we serve Him? And, and this, is the, this is where you need to recognize the lie, because that lie was originally told by a snake in the garden. You need JD, to recognize pause, that. Pause, JD. Pause. <laughs> I want to take a moment to say, good night, my beautiful wife. I love you, and I'll see you soon. Continue, JD. I also want to take a moment to say, good night, my beautiful wife. Oh, she's waking up now. Hey, say good, good morning, my baby. <laughs> Good morning, my beautiful wife. <laughs> this is what you, this you really is... want to know the secret? 
Wait till the very final moments of the podcast and leave her a message. That's how you find out if she's listening. <laughs> All the way yeah. through. <laughs> exactly. Amen to that. But again, like, let's just get back to the point. The the questions the questions we receive, the questions we receive from non-believers or false believers, you've got to recognize the serpent tongue. You've got to recognize the serpent tongue because the devil comes with questions against the character of God. If you could lose your salvation. So this just, just picture the snake in the garden today coming up at, at, at you. Are you really saved? Is this really? Did Jesus Christ really pay the price? Was his blood really sufficient? Mm -hmm. Did he really cover all your sins before you were even born? Did he really raise from life uh, back to life on the third day? These are the questions that the serpent asks today. And people bite. They, they bite that apple and they have a nice long chew on it. These are not things we should chew on. These are facts. These are facts. Like there is nothing in the history of mankind that is more accounted more credited that we have more writings manuscripts upon manuscripts the timeline between manuscripts this is something people miss like the the 14 a mere 14 years after christ raised from the grave paul has pinned down galatians matthew has pinned down the first uh, sorry mark has pinned down the first gospel we the the timeline between these epistles are so short that it even further confirms that they could not have been corrupted, they could not have been manipulated, they could not have been twisted. And we can literally go back and say, here we have witness accounts. This is not just, you know, something that was written by a couple of dudes who were bored. These are witness accounts. If Mike and I are driving down the road and we see an accident, we go, we come live. And there's 116 people on the live. And we go, before this live stream, you will not believe what we saw. We saw a car, maul, a cow, blood everywhere, insane. Thankfully, the driver wasn't hurt. Everyone here is going to go, wow, that's insane. We believe you. Why? Because there's two of us. Yet, 12 apostles all confirming the same thing again and again and again and again. Dying horrible deaths taking this story to their graves. Mm -hmm. And we've got people today going, ah, can we believe it? Can we believe these accounts? Do you see how the devil works? And that this is the same problem when it comes to questioning your salvation. And that's the point I'm trying to make. If we can question our salvation, then we need to question everything in the word of God. Everything. And that's what I love. I love in the Charles Spurgeon quote that I did last week, where he said, if you can't be confident that you've been forgiven and saved, how can you be confident in prayer? How can you be confident in anything? But um, I know JD's running out of time. So I just want, we're, we're going to have to do Hebrews next week. And I want to do Hebrews. I want to continue this exact podcast. So we're going to continue it on Monday because there's a whole Hebrews portion of all this. But I want to finish out Romans 8 on just a few things before JD has to get off here. And if you do have to get off, then then you can get off and I'll, I'll, I'll close it up. But it get then it up, says, um, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And then it comes down. 
He says, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? And it talks about him not sparing his own son. And this is the line I, I wanted you to focus on. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? Even if you could lose your salvation, who brings forth the charge against you to the judge, right? If there's a judge, the father, and you're the defendant and your advocate, your lawyer is Jesus, who's coming to sit at the prosecution desk? Who's coming to stand there and, uh, and accuse you of a crime? It says, it is God who justifies, who is to condemn. And then it goes on, and, and this is what JD said it earlier, and I'm just going to read it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Double air on that one. It's a, it's a double air horn moment. And that's yeah, it. Well, it's his word, not mine. But yeah, it, yeah. So at the end of the day, either men are liars or God is a liar. And nothing can separate me from Christ's love if he's in me. That's why Jesus yeah. says, I never knew you. Not I once knew you. And then, you know, we didn't, we're not as cool as we used to be. Like, why didn't you call? Uh, uh, and nothing like that. So guys, I, I, it's been an amazing episode. I had so much more queued up over here that I wanted to read. I don't even know what I had queued up. Um, I just, oh, I just want to say this. <laughs> There's a lot. That's a theft. That's why I said this is a three part episode. <laughs> Definitely can't finish it in one man. Like yeah, yeah, when yeah. it comes well, to this topic is there's so much more to be said, but I just want to say this before I bounce and then I'm going to leave it with Mike. There are three words you say to anybody that comes with the debate of losing salvation. Three words you must remember and three words you have to say to them. I know. Go in peace. That's what I was hoping we went go with. There we go. There we go. There we <laughs> go, go in peace. I'm because glad. the reality is if they believe that they can lose their salvation, they don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus because yeah. my God, the one who I serve, the one who took my place, he took my place once and for all, once and for all, not on, on days where I'm a good Christian. And let me tell you the days of where I'm, I'm walking according to the spirit and the days where I'm walking according to the flesh are far, far more in the flesh than in the spirit. You know, you, I've, I also, as, as, as a man of God, and I follow God as closely as I can, I spend my time with God as much as I can. I pray as often as I can. And even so, I fall short of the glory daily. Daily. And if it's not for his grace, which the scriptures tell, tell us so clearly, his mercies are new every single day. Amen. Let that sink in. I love you guys. Uh, 
Amen. Yeah, we're getting out of here. Uh, as always, guys, we'll be back Monday, 9 p.m. Central time, and we're going to be going into this topic. We're going to dive into Hebrews. Hebrews is one of those books that we have to be very clear what we're going into it for, or else we'll be all over the place. This is not going to be a full Hebrew study. We're going in there about justification and sanctification, which is a lot of it. Um, but guys, be back next Monday if you want to continue this conversation a little bit because I might touch on it tonight because I am in the mood to do this conversation. Uh, you can get a sneak preview over on TikTok after the show. Uh, so thank you guys, as always, for joining us. I don't know what else to say other than go in peace. Don't you